Hello and welcome to the Filmmakers Podcast where we talk filmmaking from indie film to studio films, how to get them made, how to make them and how to try not to F it up in our very humble opinion. So joining me is a man of many talents who has starred in and produced many films, including the brilliant indie film Retribution. He's currently starring in Disney's The Lodge. He's a renowned animal activist, and some people say he looks a little bit like me. It's Dan Richardson. Hello, Dan. Oh, yeah. You all right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really good. You look it. That's such a lovely intro, man. I'm feeling so awesome. Yeah. Thanks. Good. Yeah. All right. And opposite me, and joining us... He's a very talented cinematographer who recently worked with me on the Dare feature film and the World of Darkness feature documentary, both of which we'll be talking about on this pod at some point or other. He could easily advertise hair products and has been known to shoot them. Um, he's known to many as Beard. Not only does he have a long, flowing, luscious locks, but a strong and well-groomed beard. It's Andrew Roger. Hello, Andrew. Hi, guys. How you doing? Hi. Hey. Hey. Hi. Hi. I didn't see you there. <laughs> no, I'm right here, right, right here to your left. And joining us, me and Andy, mm. is the man you've just heard from, who's recently finished principal photography on his own feature film, which he's written and directed called The Dare, which Begin- he shot in Bulgaria, correct? Correct. We're bigging ourselves up right now. We're bigging yeah, ourselves yeah. up. He's also directed many, many short films, including Taken, which is awesome because I was in it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's awesome for other reasons. And also, so are your other short films. And um, he's now in prep for his next film which is called The Nobodies, which I had the pleasure of being at the read-through for. And uh, it's going to be a heck of a film. And that is Giles Alderson, Woo-hoo! the creator yes. of this this whole podcast. Yeah, and talking of the podcast quickly, this isn't like we're experts or we're some sort of superstar as well. But, you know, we, we all work professionally in the industry, but... I, I did it because I wanted to learn. I wanted to help people get to the next stage or just be interested in film to learn things from other people. And I wanted to learn. I wanted to learn from you guys and learn from people we get on as guests. Mm. Um, but let's talk about first how we look a little bit like each other. Yeah. Yeah. So you and me, Giles, this is Andy. Uh, you, we get asked if we're brothers a lot. All the time on right? set. Right? Which I don't understand because I guess we're tall. Well, we've got the same similar face structure. Is that what it is? Yeah. Because I mean, you've got the long hair and the beard. It covers up any other... Know, I like I've seen st- Andy without the beard, by the way. Yeah. It's, oh, that's true. It's incredible. <laughs> if you can find a photo of that, honestly, it's worth Incredible. Seeing. Good or bad? Oh, I'll let you decide. Okay. I'm going, I, <laughs> I don't know what I've got a beard. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I've got a beard again, so, so I, you can take from that what you will. Take from that. Yeah. But we do I, I, we do get it a lot. They're yeah. like, you must be brothers. Yeah. And then when we worked together on the Harsh Light of Day, yeah. we looked so similar yeah. that they had to, what? They you, had to. you had to get fat. What happened? What? I had to get thin. Yeah. <laughs> I had to get thin because I was, I was in a wheelchair, so I, I, got, all, I got all sort of skinny. And So the photographs from the premiere, for example, people said, oh, that must be your brother. And yeah. my brother was at the premiere. Yeah. And the photographs of me and him, no one said a thing. But with you, people think we're brothers. And actually, a lot of people said they thought it was quite interesting casting because – we we do look quite similar. I mean, I take that as a compliment. I you know I'm I don't I don't I'm no we're quite. Yeah. That's <laughs> I because uh, you two don't look anything like each that's other. That's weird. Like so, yeah, how is it? How does that work? I know genetics. We all oh. got the same. So I mean, oh, here's I the it. first thing we've all learned on this podcast <laughs> is that everyone's got different genetics and we look slightly different from each yeah, other. Great. Even identical twins aren't identical. Join us next week for <laughs> Thank more. you talk about what we look like, and everyone goes click. thanks for talking that um but uh, talking of highlight day though that was an indie film made for 
a really low budget that came out. It got released. It's a really good film. Check it out if you've not seen it. Great example, actually, um, yeah, of what you can do. And, and not just released here. And if you remember, it had a limited theatrical release in the UK, which was incredible for a film of its budget, which I don't, 12? I don't, I think, yeah, it was really low. I mean, I think, I know they spent more on, certainly the distributor spent more on, you know, post side of it and marketing it. Yeah. But it was made for around 12, right? And yeah, I, I genuinely think that, that it's, it's one of the interesting things about, indie filmmaking isn't it where we we talk about budgets and we can say low budget actually low budgets probably stretches up into the high hundreds of thousands and low mm. millions mm. so this was actually a micro budget or they call it a no budget because i suppose there's a certain number and 12 grand is probably a, a good example of it where people would say well, that's not a budget that's just costs yeah that's just expenses that's just and food. it's food yeah. yeah that's just It'd feeding people and 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 it's uh, it would be called a no budget or at the very least a micro budget. All right, let's talk about why we're doing this pod. Okay, uh, Andy, in your words, why why do you want to do this? I'll put you right on the spot. Yeah, uh, <laughs> read, read the sheet. Read the because sheet. you asked me, I am my sheet. <laughs> it's interesting for me because uh, for the same reason, really. I mean, we we work together a lot, and you know, we talk in the evenings and stuff. But it's always about the project we're on and was on set. So it's always interesting to get people you work with a lot out of that environment. You can learn different stuff. And I'm hoping to learn from people that come in to the studio as well and, and you know, learn from them and their experience. Because it's it can feel like quite a lonely endeavour being a filmmaker, regardless yeah. of, you know, what role you're performing. So uh, it's nice to feel other people are on the journey as well with you, I guess, you know. Mm. Yeah, I like sure. that. I like that. Dan? Well, you know, yeah, same same reasons as Andy there, but, but also what I find is really interesting about the business now, and, I, and, I, and I'm quite new to the business, as you know, like relatively new. I've been in it for 10 years. And actually, the first five to six, seven years even of that period, which I was just acting, and I wasn't even focused on filmmaking at all until much more recently. But what I think is a new phenomenon in, in filmmaking, and, and it's because of the advent of, of technology that's more affordable, more accessible, is that independent filmmaking has become that much more achievable not not for one second to suggest that it's easy to do you you know the storytelling aspect of it and the and the, the appropriate directing and everything else is is still just as much of an art form that you could very easily get wrong but in terms of literally physically being able to buy a camera and go out and make yourself mm. a film i mean for goodness sake you can shoot hd on an iphone now and this is a new thing so for me one of the the most interesting things about doing this podcast is that it's kind of exploring this potential we've all got to to be able to go out there and make a film, which just simply wouldn't have existed T 20 years ago. It's, you wouldn't be talking about making a film unless you had access to all of the filmmaking equipment and significant amounts of money. And that's just not the case anymore. So, sure. And I think it's really going to be a fascinating process, as you say, to learn from if we've got any knowledge from our own experience to share. And it's just a, it's sort of a nice way of, um, of opening up that dialogue with between ourselves and with other people that we can bring in. Absolutely agree. Yeah. I'm going to read some things out that I think we should, because I had to write down because I can't remember everything. So I suppose it's giving a behind the scenes account of what it's like in the trenches, directing, uh, shooting shorts, TVs and features. I thought that's, that is important because we've all just done that recently. All the pitfalls you go through, everything that goes wrong. Um, what our issues are within filmmaking, how difficult it is, what do we do when we're not making films? You know, how, how do we, keep going how do we keep creating and keep coming up with new ideas and think actually where's the next paycheck coming from how do i survive and not have to go work in mcdonald's how do i do this and still want to do something that i love doing finding money uh, how we go about that one of the hardest things about making films is finding the money how do you actually do it 
um, distribution, casting, writing is so important is the storytelling side of it. And obviously we'll be getting guests on and Johnny Grant, who co-wrote The Dare with me, he'll be coming to talk about that and various other writers as well. Um, casting, uh, working with actors, all that kind of stuff, set life etiquette, keeping focused, what compromises you have to make. And just basically being a voice for filmmakers behind the scenes of the ins and outs. And like I said, we're going to get guests on throughout this. So um, I'm excited to do this. I have no idea who's going to listen to it, if it even interests people or not. I just think, you know, we're filmmakers doing it now. And I think that's mm. interesting to people to follow our journey. And I also wanted people to like the dirt and like the films I'm doing and become fans of it. They might not like it. That's wrong. What I wanted people to do... <laughs> is know about the dare and yeah. watch it because of what we're talking about and what we go through from that and the world of darkness and hopefully the next ones mm. that people will go, yeah, I will go watch that. And then they can comment on it whether they like it or not, but at least it's putting a voice out there. And the same for your films and your mm. films, Andy, we can talk about them all and hopefully people will then check them out. That's the idea. So how did we come up with the name? Oh, are you going to say something? I'm sorry. No. Say, what, what, my name? No. <laughs> No, I didn't come up with my parents chose it. Yeah, they did. I did try and change my got, depot. After the I witness couldn't. relocation program, I was allowed to. The name for the podcast. What? Yeah. I don't know. You thought of it. Yeah, All right. Else, I was going to we'd discuss why we came up with the name. Oh, because no, the best one, because others were too long. You had one that was like... Th well, thinking outside the, the box. The things office. that I like Love about making name. films are blah, blah. Uh, yeah, it was a snappy Com one, Confessions right? of Filmmakers was another one I thought about, which would be nice. But when we did the Twitter poll... The Filmmakers Podcast, the most simplest, obvious, came the one back. That I, liked. I think, and that, and that makes sense because you know what it is. It was the winner? You you know what you're tuning into. Confessions of a filmmaker could literally be your dirty secrets from set. <laughs> well, that's kind of there's a bit of this here, wouldn't we? <laughs> yeah, well, we are going to be doing that, right? Yeah, but not that sort of. Oh, you're talking. Oh, what? You... Not that I have any. Oh, right. I'm just saying that. Uh... <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> Hasn't the weather been strange this last year? Um, yeah, so that's how we came up with the name. Um, my sister, Lois, she designed that really cool little logo that you can click on on iTunes and wherever else we post this. We don't know yet. I haven't got that far. I was just recording it at the moment. Uh, and you can get in touch with her at loiscreative.co.uk. A little plug for her because she's done us that. And the intro music was done by John J. Harvey, who also did the music for The World of Darkness, documentary feature film that me and Andy made. We'll be talking more about that in probably future episodes, how to make a documentary, how all that works and how to get it released. And you can find him on johnjharveymusic.com. Little plugs there. Right, getting a sense of us. Should we talk about that? Talk about us. Yeah. Um, just a little bit. I thought it'd be nice. Um, Christian James will also be joining us. We'll be sort of rotating in and out. We all work a lot, so we'll all take it in turns to host this. And Christian James, who's made Freak Out, Stalled, all our budget indie films, and recently Fanged Up, um, which I'm not allowed to announce exciting news now. I'll leave that to him. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question now. Go. What was your favourite film as a kid? Dan, go. Oh. <sighs> I'm going to just be honest. You've got to say why. Ghostbusters. That's solid. That is solid. It's easy though. It's a. It's an but, easy. But, but it's true. So why? I why? Why? I just. I just found it to be so watchable, and I did watch it probably a hundred times, just over and over and over. Right. I was scared of Ghostbusters. I was scared of it. I was what six, seven when I first saw it. But I remember the theme music being so cool. Yeah. It just blew up. And my dad played it on the piano and we all sang it. That was cool. But I was, I was, I think the whole Sigourney Weaver, I didn't know her then, obviously. I know her now, Sig, you know what I mean? Um, I don't. 
She's when she turned into that thing. That she's probably devil listening. Devil monster. She'll be listening. That scared the hell out of me. I was honestly really scared by Ghostbusters, as I was with ET. Well, that's what I remember about Jaws as well. When I was because Jaws was one of my favourites. But I have to say, and thank you for mentioning the animal activism in the intro. But the Jaws didn't do any favours to sharks. I mean, we got. You know, I wish I, I almost wish Jaws had never happened, but but it was a great film and it was it was you know iconic of of the era and and still is. But I remember to this day the jump scare of when um, what's his name, Richard Dreyfus, who's who I can't remember the name of his character. Going to say Hooper, uh, yeah, Hooper. He's and he's he's diving and he pulls the tooth out of the hole in the boat that sunk, and the head of the guy falls into the shot. And that I remember was just the biggest jump scare I'd ever had at that point. It's a fantastic film. So Jaws and Ghostbusters, I'd say. Okay. All right. They're solid choices. Thanks. Uh, Andy, tell us yours. Um, oh, God, it's not very cool. Uh, Space Camp. Oh, amazing. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. Not a good film, but it's great. Okay. And I uh, like Space Now. Like, I think like I think that film did a lot of damage f- for me, personally. Um, <laughs> Why? Psychological. <laughs> yeah. Really? Like, because I'm really into space and I like all that kind of stuff and science. and, and But... um. That or like Ferris, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, oh, which is like, which if amazing. you watch now is a solid movie. It still it's works. Beautifully still photographed and really well directed. Um, and I was chatting to a mate of mine last night and she went to the high school where that movie was shot. Cause, cause is it John Hughes? I always forget yeah, his name. John Hughes. John Hughes. Uh, he went to that, that's his actual, the school you see in the movie is his actual school. And he wasn't a fan of the school apparently. So that's why like all the all background <laughs> characters, like guys running to lockers. That's like based on his experience there. Mm. I love that. I love that you can make, you put your own experiences into films and you can have a say and you can make the difference in, you know, bullying or things that really affect you. And you can do that as a filmmaker. And yeah, John Hughes was pretty amazing at that. What are yours? Well, this is really uncool, but yet it's really cool at the same time. <laughs> BMX Bandits. Have you seen it? Yeah. yeah. BMX Bandits for me, as a kid, I was, what, eight? And we always used to go to the Blockbuster or the video store. There was two. They're gone now, sadly. <laughs> no, no, there was Blockbuster and there was another one, like independent yeah. one. And I always used to get BMX Bandits out. My sister used to hate it that I'd always watch this film. And I, I looked it up last night to check again why I liked it so much. And it was directed by a guy called Brian Trenchard Smith. And he's still working. He got credits on The Babadook, special thanks. He got special thanks on Death Proof, Tarantino's. Mm-hmm. But the film's, it's all over the place. It's a total mess if you watch it again. But Nicole Kidman's in it. Um, it's her first ever movie role. It's got uh, chases on BMXs. It's got foam bubbles going everywhere. And as an eight-year-old kid, what more can you want? Baddies chasing you and stuff. It's amazing. Blew my mind as a kid. That's a little bit about us, isn't it? Shall we get to our first sort of main topic? Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. What's it going to be? Well, I thought we could do John filmmaking generally, but I thought, well, let's sort of do that and let's tie it into indie film because it's pretty much what a lot of people in the UK work on. Mm-hmm. And, and by independent, I mean free from a studio and a big studio at that, like a huge one. Do you uh, mean the loving and willful support of a big studio? Of a really loving support <laughs> of a big studio, yes. That's a majorly important distinction to make, though, isn't it? Because where we talk about independent film, Revenant, is an independent film. The Departed, directed by Scorsese, is an independent sure. film in the sense that it's not mm. attached to one of those studios that you're talking about. But it, it's so easy to think of independent film as basically just being these really low-budget mm-hmm. endeavours that we're talking about, that mm. we've been involved in so far. There are independent films that have and will continue to win major awards like Oscars and 
yeah. are huge theatrical releases starring DiCaprio or Matt Damon sure. and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and everyone else. But it's an interesting definition for independent film. But yeah, go on. Yeah, no, no. I didn't need to go on. That was great. Really uh, they usually don't start A-listers, independent films, no. though in, in case of The Revenant. I think with that, the distributors then come on and it becomes more of a sort of studio movie, even though yeah. they didn't make it in a studio system. Yeah. And it also means money that comes from a private investor sometimes rather than studio money. But then there's a lot of mini studios. So this is where the boundary gets a little bit confusing. But I think for our sake, and especially in the UK, mm. let's say indie films are made for between nothing, not many are made between nothing, and uh, let's say five mil. Just for our sake. I mean, mm. yeah, of course we know things go above. You know, Bridget Jones's diary, I think, was independent originally. But films like that, mm. um, Slumdog Millionaire was independent. Um so yes, that's how I'd like to describe indie for us and mm. for UK filmmakers and US filmmakers who are trying to make films. It's all about how you, you know, pretty much get off your ass and make it. How can you do that? How do you physically do it? What else? All right. The usual topics in the UK for independent films are things you can make cheap, like drama, found footage, comedy, horror, zombies, or gangster. Yeah. Um, genre movies. Genre yeah. movies. Yeah. Nothing that's too expensive. You can't do sci-fi. People try. It's tough. Mm. It's all the green screen work, unless you're um, Gareth Edwards, who did brilliantly on Monsters. That was mm. independent. But he had, he had a decent budget on that. He's a great reference for this podcast, actually, isn't he? Because the reason he, if I'm not mistaken, the reason he got the budget and, and got commissioned to make Monsters was because he had submitted a short film into the, the what is it called, the London Sci-Fi Film yeah, Challenge. It's a 48-hour yeah. film yeah, challenge. Time. Literally, you're given a brief uh, on a first thing on a Saturday morning, and by first thing Monday morning, you have to deliver a finished film of five minutes. He did that, won, and then from winning that that uh, that competition was given the budget to do Monsters, wasn't he? It was. Really Ex- great example of what you just said. You just hit the nail on the head saying it's all about getting off your ass and doing it. Because actually, with all of these things that we're going to talk about, and we will, and they have to be discussed, th- th- there's one thing that underpins all of it, which is you've got to just get off your ass and do it. And he, he's a great example of that. Mm. And actually, he didn't want to make Monster. I think he turned it down for a while. He said, no, I'm not ready. Don't want to do it. And that's really interesting, mm. isn't it? And his right. journey went from Monsters to Godzilla yeah. to Star Wars. Um, some interesting stories about that Star Wars thing. But, um, don't know if we can talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I work for Disney, so you can't. Oh, right. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Tell us about working for Disney. <laughs> no, don't. <laughs> well, I will if you want, but that's not... Well, let's talk about it in a future podcast, because I think that's really interesting yeah. from an acting point of view of not only a filmmaker, but an actor and what that's like to actually be on a big Disney show, mm. which is called The Lodge. If you're... How old? You should check it out. Um, six to 16. Right. Um, and I think we will talk about that, because I think it's really interesting. But for now, let's keep it more... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, see ya. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's all I had. You're like, I've got nothing else. If you don't want to talk about me, I'm leaving. <laughs> um, all right. So the most successful indie films in the UK last year for 2016 were Abfab, which made 16.1 million. Can you believe Abfab was an independent film? Because you think that's a studio film. It wasn't. Mm. Yeah. I know. It, that's what it's I mean. Kinda, that's yeah. the fine balance yeah. between what's a, is working title a studio. How? It, mm. Anyway, it comes under independent film in this. Sure. list of independent yeah, films yeah. so again i think that's because for me and you and you working on any of these sort of um 
films. If we got a, film, a budget like that and said, right, you two are doing AbFab now, we'd be like, well, that's a major studio step up. That's a major leap. I guess, is this, is this like indie film and independent film? Is it, is that a good way of saying it apart? Like, aren't they the same thing? What's well, no, they are, but is it worth making that distinction? You know, you were saying independent film could be anything up to, you know, yeah. five million. I think when people talk about indie film, do they mean like, they mean smaller productions, right? Yeah. So maybe, basically. maybe that's a distinction. If you say independent film is like, Mm. Uh, the the king's voice, the king's voice, king's, king's the king's speech. speech. It was the a great example of another indie, yeah, yeah. more independent. If we're gonna, yeah, but like yeah. big budget and big actors and mm. yeah. So it's it, it's true. Is that fine? if you get to that level and you make something like the king's speech, that Tom Hooper made, then you kind of going well. Yeah, I've kind of I'm I'm all right now. I, I feel like I'm, you're doing all right. You're doing all right. <laughs> you're not going. How am I going to pay the bills? It, it, so that I think for me, independent film is about. That you're putting, you're doing a lot. You're really spending your time, money, and effort making something. Not that you didn't, but do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's no, I totally agree because because the, let's face it, the the people who will listen to this podcast and the kinds of projects they'll be working on will not fall into the category of AbFab or or the King's Speech. Of course, just, yeah. you know, so you're absolutely right. It's that that, <laughs> that that real, you know, the gritty independent filmmaking that we're talking about, where it is yeah. rolling your sleeves up and becoming. Uh, involved in all the different elements of filmmaking because by the nature of it you have to because you haven't got that huge sure. crew behind you that's that's picking all that stuff up simply because you haven't got the budget so. which is exactly what i just did on self-help a serial killer's guide to life which i produced Staten cousins row directed that and he'll be coming in to chat with us about how he made that for a kickstarter budget that he raised and, and it is possible but on that i was hands-on i was you know doing everything yeah. you're cleaning up you're doing this you're picking up stuff that is for me an independent film that is raising a small amount of money and going and making a feature film and then working out what's next how what are the steps and there's just different ways of doing it one you try and get someone on board first a distributor or a sales agent or you make it make it strong and then you try and get to that level again we'll come back to more of that sort of stuff like other ones on the list are eddie the eagle for 26 I love that film. movie. Did you watch it on the plane as well over to No, LA? I saw it. Uh, someone recommended it to me. Might, Might have be been me. you. Yeah. I saw it on the plane. We went over and we were shooting World of Darkness documentary in LA, New York. And on the plane on the way over, I, I love being on a plane because I get to sit and watch films. It's a joy for me. Though I did watch The Night Of on your recommendation, the TV I didn't series. recommend that thing. You did. You sat there and you went, I've just watched The Night Of. I've watched one episode of The Night Of and it was great. No. I watched, uh, oh. <laughs> I've well, never I seen I that. Uh, well. This is interesting for everyone else. I watched, um, <laughs> oh God, what's the thing with the guy? The thing with oh, the guy. Oh, you guys oh have yeah, seen I that? know. You know the thing with the yeah. guy the and the Ghostbusters. Girl, and they have yeah, a relationship. <laughs> that one. Um, wow. It's got could be at La La Land. That could be it. anything. Um, I watched something else. It's not coupling. <laughs> what's it called? There's a, there's a TV series. The TV series. It's very good. Friends. No. Breaking Bad. I wish something it's else. Stranger Things. This is going to be. Oh, that's great too. Great, we'll amazing. Talk about that another time. Um, the thing the, um, with the guy. Well, let's move on. <laughs> what will happen is in about ten minutes. I'll you'll go, remember, and you'll just check it out, and, and I'll take that little line and, and I'll put it in here. Perfect. And you sound so amazing. smart. Please continue. So anyway, right? I'm on the plate. I'm, and I watched the Eagle. And I watched the night off because of your recommendation that you didn't recommend awesome. it. And it was, uh, Eddie Eagle is a fantastic feel good film. Yeah. I, and the director's like Dexter Fletcher. Uh, wow. Uh, he's 
just incredible film. Wasn't um, Hugh Jackman in it? He was. Yeah. Hugh Jackman was in Hugh it. Hugh Jackman. I mean, what another yeah. great example of what we're calling an independent film. Mm. For anyone listening, I'm doing air quotes right now. Independent film. We all heard it. And you've got one of the biggest Hollywood stars sure. in it. A couple more on this list. Dad's Army. Yeah. did really well. 8.7 million. Um, another great example from a TV show. The Danish Girl. Again, Tom Hooper. Didn't mm. do as well as I think people expected, though it was... Eddie Redmayne won the Oscar, didn't he? Yeah, no, he, no, he won it. He was nominated. He won the Oscar. He was nominated. Catastrophe. There you go. There we go. There it is. That's what I recommended to you on the plane. Please continue. <laughs> I didn't watch that on the plane. Oh, maybe I did. Good point. Was, yeah. yeah, I certainly watched it later. Very good. Very good TV show. Thank you. Uh, carrying on. Um, Grimsby, five point three million. Um, and don't forget, these is just box office stuff, so it, it doesn't include. VOD doesn't include going to Sky, doesn't include all the money. That's just what cinema take. Mm. Um, and then further down the list, Street Cat Named Bob. Right. That's down now. We're talking independent. Yeah, we're talking film. real true <clears throat> independent film. It was four point three million, and I Daniel Blake, which was three point two million. But it was a massive year for independent UK film last year. It was huge. It was like the biggest ever. Wait, I'm going to read this. The highest ever recorded inward investment to the UK. One point three five billion being spent. That's huge. That's up almost 18% from wow. 2015. That shows you that actually we're all right. We're in the right kind of place. Mm. Though oh, you've got to think about within that, um, majority of independent films don't make any money. Mm. A lot of them don't actually get seen by people apart from friends and family. So there is a massive majority of those. But if you work hard enough and you do get a good story and a good script and you get the right team around you, you can make something that actually will make money and people will watch. And I think that's a, such an important point as well, because what it what it kind of shows is that, that yes, you're right, There's the vast majority of independent films will never see the light of day. They won't get distribution, but they become your, your calling card, don't they? They become your currency, really, because mm-hmm. if you've got something that you can show people within the business, who are those people who could invest in future projects? Because they can then see that what you've done is you've got off your ass and you've made something off your own back with your own money, without the support that would come from a bigger budget and you've still created something, it doesn't have to be commercially successful in order to line you up to do something that is more commercially viable. That's really important, I think, because it sure. literally is our, it's, it's our business card, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. That's true for actors. It's yeah. true for filmmakers across the, across the disciplines, you know, whether you're a director or a DOP or an actor or anything else. It's having that body of work to actually demonstrate what you're capable of doing. And that, often means at the beginning creating something that isn't going to be seen widely it just isn't even if it's just you pinging a link to someone and saying here check this out on vimeo to give a, an indication of what you're capable of i totally agree i don't know what's going to happen with the dare and i talk a lot about the dare because this is my sort of big film i've been trying to make a film for a long time a feature film and interestingly sort of end of last year and beginning of this year Technically, I've made three, which is kind of crazy yeah. that it just happened like that. I'm, I'm including self-help there. Staten's film, I just helped produce it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say helped produce it. Um, but yeah, The Dare and then The World of Darkness documentary. But like I said, it took so long for me to make a feature. I made loads of shorts and they all did reasonably well, won mm-hmm. awards and stuff yeah. like that. It was cool. But to actually make that step from making short films to making features was so hard. I didn't know if it was ever going to happen. I really didn't. And I've been banging on the door for a long time. I had a lot of heartbreak, a lot mm. of pain where you work so hard on something and then it just falls apart. And I think that's the important thing of if you can write, write it yourself. 
because you then own it. If you've got someone else's script, you don't own it. They can take it away. They can give it to someone else. They can do anything else with it. And when you're starting out, you don't know all these things. You're learning mm. how to make things work and how to actually, oh, okay, we're going to make a film. And, oh, right, we're all, that, that's the script. Let's go do it. Years go by when you can't raise the money because it's really hard because you haven't done anything before. Suddenly things just fall apart and they, they go on. You fall out with them. And then if you've got nothing in writing and you've got nothing, you know, it, it's really hard. I've had a tough, long sort of eight years, I'd say, of trying to make a wow. film. And then, and in that time I was acting and I was, I sort of made the, the transition really. And then the dare sort of, it was, I think it's the quickest for me that ever had any traction. And the idea has been percolating in my head for a long time. And then suddenly I, I teamed up with Johnny Grant, who co-wrote it with me, who wrote The Nobodies, fully wrote The Nobodies himself. And then suddenly we were like, boom, we wrote it in a month. And that was just so liberating for me to collaborate with someone. But also because it was just, wow, okay, this is good. This is all right. This is solid. And it's mine. Mm. And now I can go, right, let's see if we can make this. And I went through a few people before suddenly the studio in Bulgaria mm. said yes. And it, I just didn't believe it. I just mm. did not believe that this is happening. I still did. A day before, yeah. walking around the set with Sandy or set, I say, we were trying to find a set. We'll come back to that. And our first day of shooting, we didn't have a location. The next day, I was absolutely, in, uh, I was losing my mind. But anyway, even up to that point, this is not happening. They're literally going to pull the plug on me because I did so many times, the yeah. rug pulled under and stuff like that. And then suddenly it was there and you, you're making a feature film and you are doing it. That's a, isn't that amazing how that emphasizes the need for such resilience and tenacity? Because you're talking about, like you said, eight years, you're making your short films, you're getting off your ass and doing the stuff off your own back. And no doubt those things did play a part in you being able to direct, not just being physically capable of directing that feature film, but being given the opportunity to. Mm. Because whoever's putting money into it is going to say... We need to know you can do this. Absolutely. You've demonstrated your ability to do that. I know from, you know, conversations we've had over the years, how close you've been on some big projects and how, how painful that is to, to then have it just take for totally unforeseeable reasons not, and through no fault of your own to have that fall by the wayside. I and mean, you just got to keep going and going and going. And it, it does, does go in the end, doesn't it? It does mm. click. It does. Though, I, though I, I will put quite a bit of blame on myself for it because maybe I wasn't strong enough at the time maybe i wasn't ready as well and this is something that's quite interesting over those eight years i have made countless adverts promos short films uh, long form it was, it was almost an internal bank film but it was a 60 minute film mm. that both of you guys were, were involved in i think over that time i became ready to make the film so if i'd made a film eight years ago or four years ago or even two years ago i i don't know if i would have been ready Maybe I would have been, but do you know what? When I made the, I was ready. Yeah, I was ready. This is mine. I am now taking this <laughs> by the horns. No one's letting go of it. <laughs> and I'm going to make the best film I can with the short period of time we've got and the resources we've got to do this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Independent film is that. It is about finding your voice, finding your way through it. The muddy sort of elegance. And the day hasn't come out yet. And this is what's nice about doing this podcast. It will be a journey of that as well. And what, yeah. how it actually, mm, be interesting. where yeah. will it go? Will yeah. it actually do a small cinema release? I'd be lucky to get that, but how amazing. Will it just go straight to Netflix? Again, I I'd be yeah, over I'm the moon with that. that. <laughs> so again, what happens with this? And because it is, there is a more of a studio behind it, 
it's interesting what where it will go. So yeah, that'll be a fascinating journey. And and for me to make my first one like that, it's like wow, you went into a sort of studio system, and this is your first film. You didn't go off and make one for thirty grand. You kind of went and made one in a studio. So a fascinating for me, especially if the nobody's happens. Mm. And that would be very independent of any of that. And the differences between the two we'll talk about as well. It really is a, an interesting time. And this kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier on about, you know, for me, what this is all about is being able to explore that. It's almost like a privilege, isn't it? That we, and, and how fortunate is it that we're living in a time where we're in this business at a time where you have the option of doing what you've done mm-hmm. over the period of years that you've accumulated a body of work prior to this, this, accessible independent filmmaking that I talked about. How did people do that? When it was film, mm. were you, you know, stock cost of fortune, how did you have the ability to learn your craft on cheap, low-scale productions? You just... You I did, you well, did. the only example, well, there's a few, but Clerks is a good one. But the other one is uh, Robert Rodriguez, is um, El Mariachi, which he literally made... El Mariachi. I like El Mariachi for me. <laughs> I'm not Mexican. That's how it looks. <laughs> uh, mariachi, sorry. Because he made that for nothing. He literally got film stock for, I don't know, I, well, not for nothing. It was like seven grand, I think. And that was because he put his body to sign. So he went and did one of these, you know, where you'd get tested and stuff like wow. that to raise money. Like a medical trial. The medical trials. Okay. And he raised money that way. And then he got old film stock for really cheap. And he did everything. It was just no other crew. Just him and the actor. So he did sound, he did all the stunts, he did all camera work, directing work, and then edited it all. He only did it for the whole movie market in Mexico. That's why he did it. That's why he made the movie. Actually, and interestingly, in Mexico, they were, they were like, oh, no, we can't really sell this. And he, somebody sent it over to someone else who saw it, and then they got to a studio, and they were like, "What? what is this? What, they made it for that much? And suddenly he bypassed the whole Mexican home movie <laughs> video market, but he was going to sell it for like 20 grand or something. Suddenly it became this huge thing, he signed a million contract deal. That was the only way to do it. You'd have to literally get lucky in a way and have a really cool story and be visually as good as he was at that age. But you're right, for anyone else... How do you, it, it's like a minefield. How do you even pick up a camera and do it? Even now. I mean, it's easier because you've got access to stuff. Still, it's not that easy. Yeah, you still got to know what you're doing. The technology may be that much more accessible and financially achievable, but you still got to know what you're doing, haven't you? A hundred percent. I think so. I think, I think, but you learn. I think it's easier to learn because you can just shoot. That's, that's the advice I give to people yeah. that, that uh, I, I get emails occasionally saying, you know, how do you get into what you're doing? And the best advice I was ever given was just shoot because you, you can now, you can just yeah. shoot. Like it doesn't matter if you've got a DV cam from 15 years ago, if you're shooting, it's, that's going to be the same when you've got a, an Alexa or it's, you know, in, in a way it's harder. Mm-hmm. So when you get to have better kit, you'll really know what you're doing. You'll appreciate it. You'll be able to expand into that space. But, um, no, it's changed things. I, I think, I think this first started happening with DV cameras. It was like 2000 and. Four, three, yeah, four, something like, like that. Like, yeah, yeah, not actually that long ago, but I think that was nearly as big a revolution as as DSLRs had been after that. Yeah, no doubt. You're right. It is. It's the transition to digital. Sure. That that's yeah. made it possible to just you go out as you say, you go out and shoot some stuff, and you learn from your mistakes. You just didn't have the luxury of doing that when you were buying stock film stock at <laughs> thousands of dollars a reel. It's yeah, just yeah, not yeah. possible. And so now. It's opened up. Hence the reason for being here doing this podcast is we've got this, we live in this world now in, this, in the business we're in where that's totally possible and people are doing it. And it's, it's so exciting 
Mm. You think about it in that way. It's so exciting because we can all, we've all got the ability to go out and try that and, and, and all have the possibility open to us to, to, to be that next thing that clicks, to be that next no budget film that mm. suddenly just gathers a cult following and gives you, puts you on the map. Mm-hmm. Garrett, and, and that's what it's about, isn't it? But I suppose for me, if, if the dead doesn't blow up, which I, I'm not expecting it to, if it just comes out, I'd be happy mm. because then hopefully I can make another film and learn from what I did the first time. And I've learned so much from that first one, much more than I ever thought I would. It was the hardest thing I think I've ever done, ever. And that sounds crazy because you were making a film, but it was, I mean, me, we were going back after shooting, <laughs> weren't we? And literally just going, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. My mind was, it was on fire. Yeah. I've never been so creative. I've never been so manic in that three week period of making that <laughs> film. I was like, I was a different person. Yeah. Fee came to set. And she went, Whoa, you look at what's with you. You're literally going bam, 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 bam. And I went, yeah, but I'm, I'm making my film. I'm just thinking about the through line. I can't be bogged down with all this other stuff. And I think when anyone's making a film, you have to think of the end goal. You have to just mm. plow through everything else. It, it's, it really makes the point so beautifully that you really better love what you do, <laughs> right? You better, and it has to be a genuine passion because perhaps there are people listening who, who think, you know what? I could, oh, I'll have a stab at this. You'll find out real quick if it's something you want to do or not, won't you? Because mm. the reason you've been as tenacious as you have and as hungry for it as, uh, and, and have now got to the point where, to whatever extent we're talking about success, you've, you've succeeded in making a movie at least. And mm. if, you, if it wasn't something that you were absolutely passionate about to your very core, you'd you hung your boots up years ago, yeah. wouldn't you? Because it does take a hell of a lot out of you. It's You've got to live and breathe it. Mm. Yeah. That's what independent filmmaking is, really. Yeah. I totally go with that. 100% you've got to live and breathe it. So today's advice, I say, for me, it's always sign a contract, even if it's with your mate. Um, just put, if it's on a napkin, just put it down. We are doing this together. We both own the rights to this. Just put it down. It, just please. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. That's my advice of the week. Did um, you sign a contract for the podcast, by the way? <laughs> yeah, I didn't. didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good oh, point. Well. Uh, well, yeah. Should we do it uh, now? I think this sort of proves it. <laughs> wow. Okay. We'll have to wrap this first podcast up. Oh, it's a um, shame. So if you've enjoyed listening to this, please like, share and subscribe. It's very important. Do please would love any comments or literally put five stars. Even if you didn't like it, just do us a favor. What could have been better? No, We're just in an email. Don't write that. Yeah, don't me. write that on <laughs> iTunes. Don't do that. Um, right. So where can we follow you, Dan? Tell us where people can. Hook oh, you. well, you can follow me on Facebook. Uh, Dan Richardson actor. And you can follow me on Twitter, and this is where I lose everyone. Twitter or Instagram, same same name, which is Dan seven one zero THS. Dan seven ten. The reason why it's called that is that is because my production company is called Seven Tenths Motion Pictures. Sure. If anyone uh, wants to have a guess at why that's the case, no one other than one person I know, no one's ever figured out why the company name is Seven Tenths. And so, if you'd like to. Um, what do we do? Well, maybe it's, it's are you like seven what, what tenths of your they, capacity. If you want to write in to, to us here at... Do you, do you win a prize? <laughs> do, you, do we get a prize? Yeah. A date oh, with Dan. You don't get that. You get to talk about animal um, activism. We want people to enter. And, um, <laughs> so People might be into that. Yeah, so Twitter and Instagram, D-A-N-7-1-0-T-H-S. 
and then let us know why you think my production company is called Seven Tenths Motion Pictures. Good luck. Thank you. Andy, where can we follow you? Uh, so I'm on Instagram because I'm a DP. So I am uh, at 35mm DOP, which is not catchy either, but it's like a 35mm DOP. And it makes perfect sense. It makes sense, right? When you perfect think about it. And the same on Twitter, yeah? And the same on Twitter, but it's just a re- repost of my Instagram. Um, or, or on the internet at www35 Emma, D-O-P dot C-O-M. Brilliant. This will all be in the show notes, by the way. So if you don't catch us, I don't want to press. It's hard to rewind on your phone, isn't it, on podcasts? You have to go back 15 seconds. It's, yeah, it's you? really yeah. difficult. So anyway, it's all been in the show notes underneath, so you can find us all there. Mine's simple. It's at Giles Alderson. Kept it simple. Uh, very obvious. Oh, hey, well, so yeah, it's obvious on, though, on, it, on yes, Instagram and Twitter. Follow us there. And common. you can follow the Filmmakers Podcast at the Filmmakers Podcast. Yes. Wow. Wow. You managed to get that. Don't yeah, put, yeah. That's really good, isn't it? That's great. <laughs> well, that's why I put it down as an option. Otherwise, at the Filmmakers Podcast. Yeah, yeah. And it Seven just fits. Tenths. It literally, it's one more letter either way and it wouldn't fit. Oh, either way. Yeah. <laughs> well, not either way. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time. Thank you very much. Bye. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye.